Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Down. So glad to be here with you today. Hey, you know it's August. We run a little slow in August, kind of take some time off, so we will not have shows every Thursday, but we're going to get you as many as we can and still take some good time off and rest. So um, just wanted to give you a little heads up about that. The music in the background, as you know, is our good friend, Mr. Dave Barnes. Make sure you check out his new album when you get a chance. In the last few years, my I think all of our faiths grow and change and shift, and, and today's guest is one of the best catalysts for me over the last couple of years of some of helping my faith shift and change in some really good ways. So I'm really excited today to have Aaron Nequist on the show. He has a new book coming out called The Eternal Current that is all about how to have a practice-based faith. And it is, it's awesome. And he is awesome. Aaron's wife, Shauna Nequist, also has an episode with us um, a couple of years ago. She was actually one of my very first guests, and she's one of my very favorite people. And Aaron is too. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Buckle up. This is one of those, I think, that you're going to want to take notes. I did and want to. And um, so I like to warn you if they're note-taking where you're going to wish you had a piece of paper. So this is your warning. This is your content warning. You're probably going to want to take notes. So enjoy this conversation with my friend, Aaron Nequist. There's a new article out um, that someone wrote about how men, how Christian men want women who are debt-free virgins with oh, no tattoos. Oh, I saw that. Yep. And it's the first time that I have legitimately sat with my Twitter open and gone, is this when I cuss on Twitter? Right. Is this the right. time when I yeah. break out the cuss word? <laughs> what'd, you th- what'd you think when you saw that? I mean, you're a Christian man. Is that true? Am I wrong? Is that true? <laughs> you are. That is wrong. Okay. Um, Just double checking. I think, unfortunately, because I grew up with a lot of that, it wasn't surprising, um, but it just made me really sad. I just wonder, is that still a culture that exists, and it's just outside of the places I live? I think so, yeah. I mean, this is not exactly that, but I remember being in my Sunday school class where one of the elders of our church came in, and he drew man underneath, no, 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 God, underneath, Jesus, underneath, man, underneath, woman, underneath, children. This is the flow of God's authority and blessing, like, drew it on the board, and I'm 15, trying to figure out life and how I fit in, and it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it, 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 I was raised very similarly, and it's been interesting to Probably one of the first steps of that for me was sitting at a table with a bunch of women pastors and Christine Kane mm. and Christine Kane going like, okay, Annie, what do you think about women pastors? Yeah. How many do you know? And I was like, oh, I don't know any. This is probably six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know any. And she said, raise your hand if at this table if you're a female pastor. And it was yeah. everyone except me and one other woman. Wow. And I was like, oh, I have a lot to learn. Yes, yes. <laughs> there, it is different than I've known. But it, but I guess because I've been so exposed to so much more in the last decade, mm-hmm. it surprises me when articles like that still exist. That's so true. And written by a woman eating our own kind. I know. Right? But it's so, it's so much of the gift for all of us of getting outside of our worlds, just like you were saying, to be in that room where all those other women are like, I'm a, I'm a pastor of course you know right. 
And, oh, it's so helpful. Okay, so when you read articles like that, when I read an article like that, yeah, what is the gift in it for me from where I'm sitting today to read an article like that? Whew. Oh, man, what is the gift? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if there is a gift. There definitely could be a curse if mm. it got under your skin and churned up kind of darkness inside you. Yeah. You know, it could definitely be a really negative, not the content, the content is negative, but the fact of it could end up causing a lot of, could work against God's work inside you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if there's a gift there. There just has to be, right? I, th I feel like, yeah. maybe this is, now, Aaron, you know me, I'm like your wife, I'm an Enneagram 7. Yeah, right. And yep. so I'm going to look at everything mm -hmm. like there's something in it. Surely right. there's something for my good here. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I've been thinking. But I also think when a gift you give me in life and you've given me in, op in opportunities before is you do help me see how pain mm. uh, can actually work in my good and in my favor. That's so true. What does Richard Rohr say? Um, after 30, we learn nothing from success. Mm, really? Oh, I hate that quote. I do too. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that to be true. But right. I think um, I think it might be, or at least mostly true. Yeah, that's terrible though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I just was uh, on Voxer with a friend this morning and have had a couple of days of just hard truth coming into my life okay. that's making, a, making some things fall apart. And she just kept saying, well, you've been asking God for clarity. And so we just thank him for clarity. And I'm like, no, this <laughs> nope, isn't what I wanted. Yeah, no, like <laughs> you're right. Clarity. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, wait, God, when I say clarity, I meant what I want. I thought you were going to give me what I want. And instead yeah, you're giving oh, me absolutely. the right, right thing. She even like sent me a meme that was like, sometimes God rescues you in the storm and sometimes he holds you. Like one of those. And I was like, yeah. I don't like it. Nope. I don't like it. Nope. But but there's got to be something here that that is good for yeah. me and good for this. And so when I was reading yeah. that article yesterday, it, it's on my mind because I just saw someone else, you know, how all those like response articles come up. Yeah. I saw I was reading a response one and, and and I just kept thinking, okay, A, and this is probably something you and your family face a lot too, you and Shauna both having voices. Um, well, everyone has a voice, but you know what I mean? You both have people who look to you for responses to things. Yeah. And I thought, uh, is anybody looking to me to a response for a response sure. to this? Yeah. And then I thought, I'm going to ask Aaron what I'm supposed to get out of this. <laughs> I'm going to ask Aaron yeah. what I'm supposed to take from this, that there's oh, a man. sector of Christian culture that still says there's, and that women are supposed to be a certain thing that men are not asked to be. It's exactly right. Which is concerning. It's so, yeah. It's, we were just, Sean and I were just having this conversation the other day. Yeah. The, 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 the double standard is obscene mm -hmm. and it's still so clear and pronounced. So this is where I don't know my perspective versus truth, but mm -hmm. it feels like the double standard is at least being more presented, even if not totally repaired yet. Yeah, I can see that. We're a little more aware of it now. Yeah. Um, but man, it's still strong. It's so real. And I just, I think it's really beautiful. One of the things I, I love your, what I see of you and Shauna's relationship that she shares in books and that you share and y'all shared with me as friends, but mm -hmm. is that you are so, um, 
you as the man are so in tune to the things she might be feeling because of that double standard and because of her public life. Yeah. Oh, thanks for saying that. I'm certainly not as in tune as I wish I was, but she has taught me so much. She just being obviously close to her for, it's been 20 years now in about two weeks. That y'all been married? No. Um, but when we first met. Got it. Got it. Got it. We started on staff at Willow the same day. Yeah. Okay. And this summer it's going to be 20 years. The same day y'all started on staff. Yeah. That's same so cool. day. Right. And so, but she has just taught me so much that just living in my little bubble, I did not see. Mm -hmm. When you came on staff at Willow, what was your role? I started um, right, we both graduated uh, college in 98. And then um, we both started on the high school ministry staff. Okay. So I was the worship leader and she was one of the program director leadership people. Oh, so, that's awesome. And 20 yeah. years later. 20 years later. That's amazing. Yeah. I um, Did you know I'm doing Sunday morning at Willow in August? No. Yeah. Tell I'm, me about it. I'm doing the 4th and the 5th. You're kidding me. Yeah. I don't know what I'm teaching on yet. I have a call with Steve right after this, but um, yeah, I'm really excited because I've, I mean, I've watched online a bunch, but I've never been before, so I can't wait to oh, see it like man, in person. Oh, man, is that cool. I That's know. great. And you know, one of the beautiful things is that Crosspoint, well, you know this because you walk this really close with me, but yeah, Crosspoint had a surprising change of leadership. And our mutual friend, Jason Miller, who right. you know came down and was such a good voice for us in that yep. season, yep. Yep. in a season. And so it feels like I'm getting to pay forward a little bit um, to like where I'm kind of going, the, the gift that Jason gave us, I feel like in a season that, uh, that we experienced, I get to pay forward in a change of leadership for y'all, you know, or for oh, Willow. Oh, that is so, so It feels like a gift to get to wow. be a part of what they're doing because, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where I kind of say the Lord, like, Hey, give Jason Miller all the props for this because he gave so, <laughs> so generously to our community. You should get one of those WW. J, yeah, WWJD, yeah, like, <laughs> what, what would Jason do? Bracelets. <laughs> and just whatever he would do. Yeah, whatever he would do. do that um, that weekend in August. It, man, how fun was that last year when we got to go? Are y'all in Michigan right now, by the way? Are y'all at the lake? We are, yeah. yeah. We're in South Haven. Man, I just had never been there until we all went on that trip last year. And it was, it's, it's just beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just one of the most pretty places you in the like world. feel like you're in, at the ocean. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know lakes were that big, Aaron. I'm sorry. I that's know, my little southern self. But no, no, that's, I've I always been it. able to see the other side of lakes until I went to <laughs> <laughs> until I went up there to wherever we were in Michigan. That was such a surprisingly and not even surprising, because if Jason's pulling it together, I trust that it would be great. But like, what a fun couple days. Yeah. What a meaningful was, couple days. Yeah, it was really great. For our friends who are listening, you can go to Luke Norsworthy's podcast. And we have an episode, there's an episode from September of 2017 called Jason Palooza that me and Aaron and a bunch of people are on. That was such a good conversation, Aaron. Is that, but that's kind of the space you're running in right now, right? I mean, I feel like a, a lot of people are looking to you to talk about what's going on in the church and, and what it looks like to shift to a practice-based faith. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people are looking, but it's been, um, it has totally transformed my life. It has transformed our little community in Chicago. It is that whole, uh, um, yeah, switch from Christianity is all about believing these four or five facts, you know? Yeah. To 
Christianity is participating with Christ. Yeah. Will you? Yeah. Can you explain a little? Like people are saying practice based faith across the internet and in churches, but but I can't define it. So can you? <laughs> yeah. I think I usually talk about practice based faith in contrast to beliefs based faith. Okay. And really, and I don't I don't want to caricature, but um, growing up in um, Christianity, I, I really thought to be a Christian was to believe correctly about a couple different important facts. Mm. And then you say a prayer telling God that you believe those things too, you yeah. know? And beliefs are incredibly important. Of course it matters what we believe. Beliefs are, are very important. They're just not the end goal. Um, I, I say it in the my new book that's coming out. I say, uh, Jesus didn't say, here is the truth, believe it. Jesus said, I am the truth, follow me. You know, the invitation is participation. Yeah. And so that that little shift has opened up all these new ways of engaging with God, engaging with the people around me, engaging with the world, engaging with my own soul. Um it is really that little shift has transformed mm. so much. Before we dive into what it really looks like, tell me, tell me how you feel it changing you. Because you're a four, am I right? Am I remembering that correctly? I am an Enneagram four. Yeah, so you the, feel the, the it. Specialist of all people. Yes, yes. You're the only one like you. I know, buddy. I know. There's no one like yeah, you. We don't totally no. get you, and we never will. But I appreciate you like letting us in and letting us try. <laughs> One of my um, friends loves to say, Aaron, you are so special, just like the millions of other fours on earth. <laughs> I always say to people that if, if someone tells me, I took the test and like, I just, I'm none of them. I'm like, you're yeah. a four. Or <laughs> you're if they four. say, I, yeah, I think I'm just all of them. I'm like, you're a nine. I you're get nine, it. I know. Of course. <laughs> we know who yeah. you are. Okay. So as an Enneagram four, tell me what your relationship, because I think this is true about a seven, two, or at least an Annie, is that so yeah. much of my relationship with God is feel as well. Yeah, like I totally. feel him. Yep. And, and I think that's a four thing too. How has your relationship with God changed when you've switched to this practice base? Yeah. Well, I think I'd have to start by saying I didn't make this shift intellectually or academically. It wasn't like I decided, oh, I think this is more correct. My faith imploded mm. about 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Well, tell a little bit of that story if, if you don't mind. Well, I you know, grew up in a Christian family, went to a Christian college, got a job at a Christian church, and two years in, it like, it ended. It was so weird. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. It wasn't like a crisis where this big drama, it was like the car kind of ran out of gas and I coasted to the side of the street. And I'm like, I think my faith is done. It, um, really? and yeah. And what was so both fascinating and terrifying was my job every seven days was lead people in songs right. I no longer believed. Oh, how many people are feeling that across the country? Oh, I totally. can't imagine. I can't yes. imagine. And, you know, speaking of Enneagram type, as a four, the worst thing I can do is pretend, like fake it. So I was not going to go out there and fake it. But there were very few parts of very few songs that I could really sing. And so it it actually got pretty dark and I, I was felt a little lost and like, you know, Christianity was was the wallpaper of my whole life. It's it's what I grew up in, you know. And to make a really long, complicated, uh, very nuanced story, very short, 
One of my friends who was walking with me in that time eventually gave me the book, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Yes. And chapter, it was either chapter two or chapter three, The Gospels of Sin Management, was the first time, Annie, I have ever heard about the kingdom of God. Really? And you're leading worship. You're in the church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, been a, I'd been in Sunday school. I'd been in Awana. Yeah. You oh, come on. Yes, I totally yeah. know Awana. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I, I knew so many Bible verses. Um, I, I knew I'd been in church probably too much. I had never heard a message on the topic that Jesus did most of his teaching about, which is the kingdom of God. And at first I was frustrated and, and you know, like what, you know, but then it just melted. And, and I began to realize like the invitation isn't believe a bunch of stuff, say a prayer so you can go to heaven someday. The invitation is join me in the restoration and redemption of all things. Mm. Like now, not someday yeah. when you die. Let's go. Let's do it. Through yeah. Christ, you and I and every single person listening and every single person not listening has been invited to join Christ in what God is doing to redeem and restore all things. And I'm like, if that's the story, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Like, count me in. So how long between when it all fell apart and you read this, what was that window of time? How long was that? Ooh, great question. I should go back to my journals. I'm kind of scared, to be honest, to read those <laughs> journals. I have them all in a in a box somewhere in my attic. I would say this season is probably a yearish yeah. long. Because I think people need to hear that, Aaron, because they think, I felt like my faith was falling apart. And the next day, someone walked up and handed me a book. <laughs> Gave like, me the no, book. No, no, no. Like, I went through my birthday no and a Christmas. And, you know, like, yep. Yep. people, I need to hear that Absolutely. things don't happen fast. That That's things exactly that right. we can tell a story like, oh yeah, me and that guy broke up for two, for two months, and then we got back together. You're like, okay, but that was like sixty days of crying. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. <laughs> that is a lot of tears. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I love the idea of you of it being a year of you wrestling. Why didn't you give up? Why didn't you just quit your job and work for the Cubs? Right. Um, oh, that's a great question. I was going to say something else. That's too good of a question to skip. Why did I not give up? I think some of it was I I wanted to and something in me was giving up. Mm. And what's crazy is some of the way forward could only happen if I gave up on some of the things. Does that make That's sense? That's really good. Yes. That makes so much sense. I couldn't give up on the whole the whole story. Like even at the darkest moment I I suspected I was created and love was pretty central to this whole operation. So I, I couldn't say I'm giving up on everything, but I had to let go of a number of things that at first felt central to my faith, but ended up feeling the kinds of things that released me for a deeper experience or a wider experience. So I think that's what's so complicated. It's not just, do I believe everything or do I believe nothing? Yeah, yeah. I know, that's that's seven in me, right? Going, okay, right, so right. why didn't yeah. you just go forget it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The all or nothing. Yeah, and frankly, I mean, when people ask, like, what are you working on these days? And if I mention the book or like leading worship or whatever, 
I always say the people that I'm most passionate about are the people, frankly, like me, who felt confronted with two choices. Either I'm going to double down on this faith that stopped working a long time ago, or my only other option is jump ship from the entire thing. Right. And what I've learned and what I want to say to, if I could say one thing to like everybody in the world, I would say, those are terrible options. Yeah, yeah, they're Don't terrible. Do either. Right. <laughs> For the love of God, do not double down on what you know is already over. And for the love of God, literally, don't jump ship from the whole thing because the way of Jesus is so beautiful and so compelling, even though the church is so screwed up. Yeah. So how we hold those things in tension um, is very difficult. Yeah. You know, a thing I say a lot, and I may have stolen it from you, so I should start, but I say a lot that the church is full of humans. Oh, and so nice. you're going to have a very human experience yes. at church, yes. but we yep. don't give up on the church. You don't give up on the church because of the humans inside of it. Right, right. What's that? Uh, Rob Bell used to always say, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll wreck it. Yeah, you'll be the one. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. I just think that's, I love that perspective. Same. Okay, I interrupted. You had another thought you were going to say. Do you remember it? I was going to give more bad news. Oh, good. <laughs> Come on, bring it. You were, you were saying, as a seven, you love bad news, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you were saying, um, isn't it hard that this was a full year process, not just an overnight thing? And I was going to say yes. And that was kind of the major dark night of the soul in my life. But there's been a number of other ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't believe in once and for all almost anything. And it's a journey. And now the last couple dark nights have not lasted a full year. Thank God. And so I think there's a cycle and we learn and we grow. And, and do you think they're getting shorter because you're getting healthier or wiser? Or do you think there is just no control of how long the dark nights are? <laughs> I probably both. Absolutely. There's no control. We don't control these, these kinds of things, but I do think the more we walk with Christ, the more our ears open up to the voice and the more we're able to respond a little more quickly as opposed to more slowly. But you know, it's three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, I feel, I just, I may have told you a story, but I went to on-site in January. Oh, you did? And yeah. Oh, man, people talk so highly of that. Yeah, I loved being finished with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad I did it. I loved when I was finished. Glad I got to come home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, and one of the things I say a lot is it didn't, it's not like it fixed me. I just have tools and and words I didn't have before. But also it feels like, um, the ability to, I, I will not be able to control when things get hard, but I will have more tools to survive them than I used to have. And I don't think, I, I don't think it makes them shorter. I don't understand God's timing at all, Aaron. Yeah. I never do. Yeah. Every time I think I've got a, I've got a read on him, he flips the script again. And I'm yeah. like, you don't do anything like I do stuff. <laughs> and so it's so true. I just can't, I can't expect to handle all that. So I have to embrace the mystery to some degree. That is so good. You have articulated so much of what uh, we're talking about with a practice-based faith. Mm. You have tools. Yeah. You have tools to open yourself up 
to what God is doing. We don't control what God is doing, but you better believe we get to either open ourselves to it or close ourselves down. Yeah. Yeah, it feels that way that we are allowed to have a lot of questions. Yeah. And even what I'm picturing is kind of a dam opening or closing. Oh, interesting. Like yeah. you're allowed to close the dam. We all know what happens eventually. Yeah. Right? Like Isn't that true. <laughs> it's but it's your choice. Like we're not going to boss you until you have to let God into all this or that you have to survive this with a smile or you know that you have to say kind things about God the whole way through but Yep. If you close it and don't tell the truth, you know. I mean, I, I, that's why one of the reasons I love. I I don't know that you were thinking about water, but when your book is called the Eternal Current, right. are you thinking about electricity? Or are you thinking about a river? I've, that's a great question. I'm I'm thinking about primarily a river. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and it, it's simply that idea that there is this great river already flowing throughout hu humanity and human history towards the redemption and restoration of all things. And the key idea is Jesus doesn't say, believe about it. Jesus says, jump in with me and learn how to swim. Mm, man, that is... Yeah, and I think some of the things I love about that is it's not that we do a bunch of things that makes the river flow. Like that's what religious people try to do, you know, the classic Pharisees teachings in the Bible and all that. Um trying to control God with oh, their man. actions. That's what I want to do all the time. I yeah, want to do course. it all the time. We all want to. If I you know, pull this lever, then I get what I want. That is not <laughs> the creator of the universe. Um, but God is always flowing. God is always moving. Um, and we have the power within us, the created power within us to participate in that, to open ourselves up to, or to resist it, which think of the great humility of God, that God creates people and gives them the authority to ignore God, right. to say no, <laughs> to which run so, the other way. Right. It's so rude of us. And he's like, he just lets us. And he does and keeps loving us. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's very beautiful when you think about, it, especially as a parent, it's very moving. Yeah. Has your understanding of God changed as a dad? Oh my, yeah. I probably weekly, I have that thought as I'm with my boys. Uh, we have an 11-year-old and a six-year-old. And um, I have the thought like, God, if you feel some sliver percentage about me, the way I feel about this kid, that would change everything. You know, yeah. if I actually believed that, yeah, because there is a, there's just this fury, this fury of love inside. Uh, my oldest kid and I, uh, last night, we borrowed this boat and we took it to the next town to Saugatuck. Did you guys go up to Saugatuck when you were here? Uh, I, you at least said, somebody at least said it to me because I've heard it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we took the boat uh, up the shore to Saugatuck and tied up and stayed overnight on the boat last no night. No way. And I. It was deliriously fun. And we went, you know, walked into town, had some dinner, got some ice cream, and then watched a little movie on our iPad. You know, it was just, but just, I just love that kid. Even when he's not being great back to me, you know, yeah, I just yeah. love him. And again, if that is a window 
into how our maker, our divine father and mother feels about us, that that just, that would change everything. Yeah. I, one of the things that I, I'm not a parent, as you know, but I have them. And uh, one of the things that as I've grown up is that has amazed me is when I think back on all the times my dad chose to take me somewhere instead of one of his friends. Interesting. And I've thought, why would you ever pick to be with an eight-year-old girl at a baseball game instead of your best friends? And dad always said, well, I'd love, I'd love being around y'all. I, I just thought I, you're who I wanted to take. Oh, it's so and, beautiful. And it yep. has really impacted how I think about God when I think back on my dad taking me to Braves games yeah, instead right. of one of his friends. Yep. You know, and going like, oh, right, you picked me. That's crazy. That's really beautiful. So yep. it's really kind. Of, okay, you said a thing that is one of my favorite things that we're going to dive into, divine father and mother. Yes. Because I am, I am really trying to learn about the mother voice of God. Yeah. And how, and, and though we use the he pronoun, that if God, if we are all made in the image of God, so are females. So tell me what you know about that. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the divine <laughs> female voice and and how God is mother. He is father. That is what Jesus called him. But he also must be. If I'm doing my math right and A plus B equals C, you must also <laughs> have all the characteristics of mother. Absolutely right. Well, um, just a couple, a couple random thoughts. Um, one is God is spirit. So God, God is not gendered as we understand. So that that has been encouraging for me to just keep my mind around. God is spirit. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, obviously the what you're talking about is men and women are made in the image of God. And that's kind of the central idea that it's not just a dude that made other dudes like him and then offshoots and we call them women. Yes, you know, yes, yes. We are both fully made in the image of God. And I think what's wonderful is even in these ancient texts um, that have become the scriptures, we see um, female imagery all over the Bible. And I love that. I mean, because those cultures <laughs> were not egalitarian cultures and still some of these images um, got in. When um, the scriptures talk about God as being womb-like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the mother bear references, which are wonderful, especially when I think of my mom, my mom is like a mother bear. If yeah. you screw with her kids, she would crush you. Yeah. And it made us... <laughs> It made us feel so safe. And so when I think about God as mother bear or Jesus talking about how I long to um, bring you in under like a like a chick bringing in uh, her, oh man, I'm screwing up the image. No, it's uh, right, it's right. Under, her, under you know the wings, right? About? Yeah, yeah. El Shaddai being able to be uh, translated as the many-breasted one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, over and over and over we see. And it it helps you realize how problematic our relentlessly male image of God is and um, what that has brought into the church, unfortunately. Yeah. So how do we learn about the fullness of God like that on like a Tuesday? Like when I'm reading the Bible or is there books I should read or is there, because I feel like it, it's just like when you meet the better I get to know a man, 
Like the closer I get to a man, the more I see a different side of God than what I so experience yep. as a woman. And so I almost want to do the same and learn God, learn that side. So what, do you know resources? Do you have thoughts on? Yeah. I mean, there's there's more and more great uh, scholarship and writings about that are expanding beyond just the maleness of God. But I think one of the best things uh, and that I've been doing, unfortunately, only the last few years is reading more women authors. Mm. And I had this terrible moment a couple of years ago where I looked at my bookshelf and it was all white European dudes. Mm. And they're great. I mean, Dallas Willard and N.T. Wright and Richard Rohr. I mean, these are great, important voices and I want to keep reading them. But how is my faith going to be malformed if it's only translated through one gender and one cultural background. Yeah. And the same could be true of women because we have a, I think Christian women, I'll speak for Annie, Annie can have a tendency to accidentally read all white women. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Right? Because all my friends yep. write books. And so exactly all right. of a sudden, and all these pe- these podcasters and speakers that I love and Bible teachers, and I end up doing all white women Bible studies. Yes. And yes. so while I'm experiencing a bunch of different scripture, I'm experiencing all from the point of view of one type of human, even though they're all very different. And that doesn't negate the importance of those voices, but it just means it's only one in a one stream in a really wide river. So yeah. Hey, I'm going to pop in in the middle of this conversation with Aaron real quick to tell you about our friends at Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a growing biblical community of Christians with 70,000 plus households sharing about $27 million in medical needs person to person each month. While sending monthly financial shares directly to other members' families, these quarter of a million members also pray and send notes and cards of encouragement through this effective, affordable, and God-honoring ministry. For the last 23 years of Samaritan Ministries' existence, the monthly financial share has never exceeded $495 for a family of any size, and is even less for couples and singles. I pay way less than that, and it I am so grateful to be a part. Here's a like, nice little quote from Deborah, who's a Samaritan Ministries member from Illinois. She said, I love that we get to be part of a ministry helping other believers and sharing in their burdens. And I love getting the opportunity to trust and rely on God through this unconventional means of health care. So if you want to learn more about how you can be part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org. Now back to my conversation with Aaron. Okay, so with your book, with Eternal Current, when we think about plugging in, because you, this is what I, I think most of my friends probably know who you are that are listening. But if not, this is such a beautiful, this whole conversation is so beautifully Aaron of like, <laughs> yeah, go experience all this. And yeah, dig into this. And I'm not going to give you the exact right answer, but I'm going to point you. That's just what you do uh, so beautifully for me. Oh, thank you. And thank so you. I feel like that's what the eternal current does too, is it just kind of points us toward this practice-based faith. And that's, I mean, that's what you have built for your community. What does it look like to actually do it? What should be different about the faith moving forward for me? I'll start with just the, I'll keep playing on that analogy. There's this great river flowing 
And so what we're saying as a community is every week we're going to come together and learn one new swimming technique. You know, we're going to do breaststroke this week. We're going to do, you know, um, and we're going to fill up our toolbox with different ways to swim. Mm. So this way helps us swim in really rough water. This way helps us swim when it's smooth, but we have to go a long way. This helps us swim when we got pushed in and didn't even realize we're good. You know. Yeah. Okay, so that's the analogy. Uh, I think where it gets real personal for me is I realized growing up in, in conservative evangelicalism, I was given one single tool in my toolbox, one way to swim, mm -hmm. and it was called a quiet time. Oh, listen, I, yes, yes. So every day. Which is the least seven thing you could ever no, imagine, totally, right? Of course. So read a little bit of the Bible, journal about it, and then you're like, good. Now, to be clear, I think that's actually one really great practice. And I still do that. That's still one of my practices. But it isn't even close to a tool that can apply to everything. Um, and I remember one of the big tools it couldn't apply to is pain. Like, uh, Sean and I had an experience and I write about this in the book where something incredibly painful happened to her, which then happened to me. And then our hearts are broken and I go back to my quiet time. And again, I, I don't, I'm not disparaging it. It's really good. It's just not enough. Right. It is one practice. It is it not is the fullness of our faith. Yeah. Practice. And what's that saying? Um, when you're a hammer, when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. That's you know, really good. When you only have a quiet time, everything looks like it's going to be solved with a quiet time. But here's, here's the problem. It isn't. And so then you have to say, oh, no, is something wrong with me? Or is something wrong with God? Or some, when it's just, I don't have enough tools in my spiritual tool, toolbox. I asked, I've been meeting for the last four years with a Jesuit priest, Father Michael, as a spiritual director. And it's been utterly transformational. And as a Protestant, you should have seen me that first time showing up at this Jesuit retreat center. And yeah. I'm like, am I going to do the wrong stuff? Yeah. Am I, and then, you know, my bias comes in. Are they going to make me like pray to Mary? Are they, you know, <laughs> I have all this stuff going on in my head. And I find out that, you know, I sit down with Father Michael now four years in. I mean, it was so obvious immediately. Like this man loves Jesus. And I was asking him one time, I was like, Father Michael, what do you do? every morning. Like, how, how do you engage with God? All I have is this quiet time thing. And he thought about it. And first thing he said, which was glorious, he said, you know, if I don't vary up my prayer practices, I get really bored in prayer. Oh, wow. Like a Jesuit priest. Yeah. Who's been a, he's been a Jesuit 50 years. <laughs> he's been a priest for 40. And he admitted I get bored in prayer sometime if I yeah, don't figure it out. Yeah. And it was just so freeing. Like, right. Me too, man. Thank you for saying that. But then he went on to describe all the different practices that he does. He talked about the examine that he does. He talks about the prayer of imagination. He talks about contemplative prayer. He talks about reading from the lectionary. He talks about the Book of Common Prayer. He talked, And I just realized he has this robust toolbox for all these different areas of, of life and experiences. And I just remember thinking, like, teach me. 
I think I may yeah. have even said that. Yeah. Would you teach all of those to me? And what, like when you say examine, I've experienced that with you, but I had never heard that before, before we were in, like I'd never heard, I mean, that may be embarrassing, but I'd never heard what an examine was until we were in Michigan. Oh, I didn't, I, I had never heard that until Father Michael either. Yes, we did like an hour long examine liturgical prayer journal experience, didn't we? Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, that was really, yeah, that was beautiful. The examine, can I just take one minute? Yeah, take as many minutes. People are on their treadmills. They're in their kitchens. They're, <laughs> they're like driving to work. They're so happy okay. we're with them. Hello, everybody. It's good to be with you. <laughs> um, the examine, it, it's been around for four or 500 years. And it, it is a Jesuit practice. St. Ignatius created it. And it's very simple. His insight is that we jump to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing in our lives. And we rarely stop to notice what God was doing in the last experience. Mm. I mean, can I get an amen, yes. right? Like Listen. just the next thing, the next thing, next thing. And so he said he would, uh, he, he taught his, uh, the people who were following um, in his order. And he just said, every day, take 15 minutes of your day to look back over the last 24 hours and notice God's fingerprints. That's the whole idea of the examine. And he taught it in five steps, which really briefly, you begin by just saying, Holy Spirit, please guide me. So it's not like I'm looking back. It's starting a conversation. God, show me. Open my eyes. Step two is review the day in Thanksgiving. And as a melancholy four, this one was really hard for me. Um, like, you know, put on a happy face and think about the, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but right. the insight here is the deepest reality is actually grace. At the center of the universe is not lack, it's abundance. Oh man, that is a good word. Yeah, isn't that true? Wherever we begin, that's what we put at the center. So when I start my prayers with, oh God, my boss is such a jerk. I'm, you know, I'm putting my, my feelings about my boss at the center of the universe. And the inside of the examine is put what is actually the center of the universe. And that's grace. So you, we begin with gratitude. And this is not a hard thing for you as a seven. Um, but for me, it is, it's just pure discipline. And Annie, if there's one thing that has been transforming my inner world, it's this. It's starting my prayers with gratitude. Really? And then step three, we start to notice the different emotions that pop up. So I, I look back over, say, if I was going to do an examine right now, I'd start with yesterday. I think I'd, I'd just ask God to guide my thoughts. Thank you for this little boat trip with my boy. Yeah. Thank you for this, all oh, that great conversation I had with Shauna. Um, in, in the backyard this morning. Thank you. But then notice like, wow. But when Shauna said that one thing, I actually got a little triggered. Mm. God, what was that about? And just notice, not judge, notice. You did so good. When you were leading us in that, you were so good about don't judge what comes up. Yeah. Like, cause sometimes it feels like when we're supposed to have a quiet time, you're supposed to be happy with everything you feel. Totally. And, yes. and be like, yes, I'm, I'm, well, I'm choosing to be sad because I'm sad. So that in this quiet time, I am sad. That's right. 
And today I am choosing to be happy in this quiet time because I'm exactly. happy. And you were so, <laughs> your kindness and leadership was so like, Oh, thank you. Uh, what? Don't judge what you feel. What comes up is what comes up. And I was like, I am allowed to have multiple feelings in, 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 in this same experience. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And here's, because here's the thing, you know, I mentioned this great conversation I had with Shauna this morning, but at one moment I got a little triggered. Well, was that a good or a bad moment? I don't know. Right. Maybe that triggering is going to help me realize that I'm really nervous about something. Or, you know, it could end up being a great emotion to feel triggered. So I don't know. So we just hold it loosely. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I felt that. Yeah. And so step four then is the, like the kind of the center of an examine. We choose one or two of those emotions and we spend some time holding it before God and listening. Mm -hmm. God, we were talking about this future plan and I got a little triggered because I think I'm nervous and I feel overwhelmed. Here it is. What, what do you want to say to me? And then we always create space to listen, even if it's 30 seconds or 60 seconds. And in my experience, sometimes God absolutely communicates. And sometimes it's crickets. Yeah. And I have no idea why. Right. Um, my theory is God is always speaking. It's just our ears are clogged and selectively open. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. God chooses to speak and chooses not to. I, I really don't know. All I know is my experience is sometimes I hear something, sometimes I don't. Yeah. And then the final step is look forward to the future and hope. What have you learned from yesterday that can help propel us to walk with God today? So that's the examine in, in five steps. And do you do that a lot? Do you do that by your, alone? Like, is that your everyday? Is that a rhythm you've adopted into your everyday? Don't tell Father Michael. Um, I do not do it seven days a week. <laughs> okay, I won't tell. We will not um, tell. <laughs> Does he listen to your podcast? Uh, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> if you're listening, Father Michael, I do it twice a day. <laughs> Every No, it has been a major one. I, I would say um, in probably these days, maybe three days a week. Um, but there's been seasons, especially in crisis seasons, where it's a lifeline. And I know I played for you guys when we were in Indiana that a little clip, but Father Michael and I actually recorded a 25-minute uh, liturgy with some songs and him guiding through the exam. And that if I could send you the link if you want to post that or on show notes or whatever. Oh, yeah. We'd well, yeah, we'll totally. We'll put it in the show notes. That'd be awesome. If you don't mind, that'd be amazing. For me, like a lot of times, I'll, I'll do that on a run. Yeah. So I'll go for a run. It's about 25 minutes. And it just walks me through the examine. So mm -hmm. if my my brain is all over the place, it just keeps bringing me back. And that's been helpful. But all that to say, to use that as an example of a practice-based faith, it's one thing for me to say, I'm really disconnected from my life, disconnected from myself, from my soul. I'm nervous. I'm, you know, I should probably pray, mm. <laughs> you know, right. as opposed to, and I have these different ways that I can really hold this anxiety before God. What a gift yeah. to have these simple practices. And not every practice is for everyone, um, but we all need um, kind of a, a, a toolbox that helps us uh, get into the current. And teaching ourselves. I mean, I'm just repeating what you've said, but I'm learning it today for the first time. Teaching ourselves the, that 
switching up the tools you use will actually make for a fresh experience. Whereas I sometimes think if I, what, like, even as you were saying that, I thought, but if I don't do my quiet time, like I normally do, am I breaking a rule? That's <laughs> right. Like, like I haven't, I haven't sat yeah. down and journaled in four days. Like, and this morning I was thinking, oh, how did you miss another day? Annie, why are you missing another day? Instead of looking at it and asking myself like, well, did you do any other kind of practices? I said was going like, I bet you've missed stuff yep. that God right. had for you and you've just missed it. And and that's not true. That's not true. And you know, there are two truths, as there often are, and they feel opposite, but I think they're intention. One is we really do need to do things over and over and over. Mm. Like you don't go to the gym one time and then you have huge muscles. Right, like right. That's not how anything works. You do it over and over and over. And yet, if you do the same exercise and never vary it, you eventually hit the wall where of diminishing returns. Yes, at least what I've heard from people I know who go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. here's what I've heard. <laughs> I, I wish I was speaking from experience. <laughs> but but aren't those two truths, like even in our spiritual lives and in our personal lives and in our creative lives, like if you don't have consistent rhythms, you're never going to get any momentum going. Yeah. But the second you just um, mindlessly settle into one rote way of doing it forever and ever, amen. Something in our hearts goes out, you know, something. Um, so we have to stay consistent and consistently experimenting. That's beautiful. That's that to me, that might be the secret. You might have just given us the secret, Aaron, to be consistent and consistently experimenting. That is, that's it. Yeah. It's almost like God desires our intention more than anything. Like, God, I'm here again. And I even noticed that in like when I uh, like read the scriptures. Mm -hmm. There are two ways I, I read the scriptures. One is, oh, I haven't done my reading today. Let me get it done. The other one is, God, what do you want to say to me through these sacred texts today? And it's the same action. It's reading. Yeah. But they are so fundamentally different in posture. And I don't believe God only speaks through the better one. Right. But um, I think we listen a whole lot better when we're, when we're open in that way. So. Yeah. I mean, your faith must feel so different than the faith of 20 years ago when you and Shauna started at Willow. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, maybe here's, here's two truths again. Um, I love when you do this. I'm loving the true two, <laughs> the two truth thing, Aaron. Well, I mean, and they're almost opposite. Sean and I will be talking. I'll be like, "All right, I'm going to tell you. I there's two things I believe, and I think they're opposite, but I believe both of them. But the two truths right now to respond to that is one: I have literally never been more thankful to be a Christian. And again, as a melancholy, cynical four. Yeah. That is not something I've said. Yeah, why is times. that? I think it's because of these streams. I think it's because, like, you read the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Like, when I read Jesus' way, it's the most stunningly beautiful and difficult and subversive um, invitation I've ever heard. Mm. 
it 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 resonates more now than than when it did before but the other side is the container of our faith and let's not go too far into this sure but the state of white evangelical american christianity mm. it's i mean this is we're in a really weird time. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you don't have to worry about us going too far yeah, into this no, because no, it's way too weird for an Annie, a seven, an Annie, <laughs> whatever I am. We ain't pushing too hard on this button. So, you know, I'm a very conflicted evangelical these days. Um, I still absolutely feel like one. And I think some of it is realizing if I can just speak from my mm -hmm. corner of evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. So this is just from my side. My tradition growing up is really good. It's beautiful. It was based in truth. It was helpful. And it's only one tiny slice of the huge kingdom of God on earth. And I think for me, when I can keep my tradition as one slice of the story, one chapter, or maybe one paragraph in one chapter of the whole story, it's really beautiful. And, and it really has a lot to say to the world. It's when it becomes the whole story that I feel like it becomes a really bad story. Yeah. So how do we keep ourselves open to that? What's the way of keeping ourselves open? I think it's what you talked about um, at the beginning, sitting around in a circle of friends who see it differently than you. Yeah. I'm telling you, when an Episcopal priest came to the practice to teach on communion, on the Eucharist, he said a bunch of things that made us really uncomfortable. <laughs> and he said a bunch of things that forever changed the way we would see communion and Christ and ourselves in the world. But I wouldn't have heard that had I got up there, we wouldn't have learned that had I got up from my tradition and taught about communion. But because our Episcopal friend came and said, hey, let us, you know, and you keep going. You know, our, our charismatic friends may do really weird things that we don't understand. And they're in tune with the presence and the power of the Spirit in a way that I rarely am. And we better learn from them. Now, that doesn't mean we, we need to, you know, dance on one foot and fall down sure. and some of these things that we see. Um, I was actually part of a, I played in a worship band of a charismatic church for a season in college. And I remember we were playing and I looked out and there's a guy in a suit bouncing on one foot for 40 minutes. Oh my gosh. And he never changed the foot. It was <gasps> one foot. That's intense. And I just remember thinking, where am I? Yeah. And, and yet, and yet they are open in a way that I'm not. So what can I learn from them? And I you know, could keep going. The Jesuit priest has taught me so many things about God and about um, myself. He's the first one who said, Aaron, when you pray, say to God with your body what you're saying with your mind and your heart. He says, Aaron, you are not a brain on a stick. Mm. You are a fully embodied creation of your, you know, in the image of your creator. Yeah. And so he, he teaches us how to pray, not just with our words, but with our bodies and our, I mean, it's just, it just expands and expands and expands. And are there weird things? Absolutely. Are there, are there things we shouldn't um, take on? 
Absolutely. And so it requires discernment. It requires trusted community to say, hey, you know, this one feels a little weird. Is yeah. that me? Yeah. Is that my insecurity or my arrogance that I don't want to participate in that? Or is that wisdom? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, and so, right. so that was a long-winded answer. No, no, no. It's beautiful. I mean, it just sounds like maybe our posture when we inter- interact with people of faith who think really differently than us, maybe our initial posture should be, what are they showing me about God that I don't know versus what is so different about them that they are doing wrong? (laughs) That is exactly right. And for me, I was too scared. um, Like I was not going to drive to the the Catholic church in my town and and go. That was too far. For me, it started with reading. Um, I started and. Literally, I mentioned him earlier, started reading Richard Rohr. And um, suddenly this, this spirituality opens up. And I'm like, but he's a Catholic. I didn't even think Catholics were Christians. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. Um, and yet this Catholic priest is opening me up to Jesus. I mean, literally, people told me Catholics didn't know the gospel. And I've learned more about Christ from some of these um, uh, older Catholic priest, mystic, you know, teachers. So for me, it started with reading because that's a little less threatening. Um, and then it moved into relationship. Yeah. And that's been where the utter transformation has happened. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, I, man, I just can't wait for everybody to get eternal current so that they can like walk this, continue walking this with you. Um, I think that's so fun. I have learned the last year and a half probably has been so eye-opening to me. Some of our friends have given me books to read by authors I had never picked up myself. It's the very similar experience of going like, but wait, I've heard this guy thinks really differently than me. I'm not sure I can read this. And then my fr- our friends would push me and go, okay, but just actually read it. And then let's talk about it. And I have read books that I would have never picked up and gone like, hey, some of this is really off base, even, even and that's fine. But some of this has opened my eyes to parts of God's personality that I have not ever found in my 30-something years on this planet already. Oh, I love that, Annie. Yep. Is there one, could I put you on the spot? Is there one book in particular? That yeah, is- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Peter Rollins. Peter Rollins is yes. an author that I wouldn't have picked up myself, and he and I don't agree on a lot, or we agree on less than most, but he has taught me a ton. But I mean, when I wanted to tweet a quote from him and I texted a couple of our friends and I said, am I allowed to tweet a quote from oh, Peter Rollins? True? Yeah. Like, yep. what do I do? And I was like, well, I'd tweet Rob Bell. I'd tweet a quote and I'd tweet a quote from Bob Goff and I'd tweet a quote from Beth Moore and I'd tweet a quote from you and I'd tweet a quote from your wife. And so then all of a sudden it was like, okay, settle down. The internet doesn't have this much power. If you found something moving from an author that you liked you can, you know, but he's pushed me. I would say about that though, is you're not crazy to think that people could be upset though. Yeah. And they, they were, (laughs) Uh, of course they were. I got pushed back. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like if there is one maybe practice or posture that, man, if we could all do it, it would, it would like change the world. And it would just be, can we learn from people we, we also disagree with? I mean, let's let's take it into an easy kind of cartoon um, in politics these days. If someone on the left said, you know what? 
that thing that that person on the right did was really helpful, and I admire that. Or the other way. Um, for you to read a book by an author that you're like, wow, he is, I do not connect with these 10 things. But the way he talked about this yeah. was brilliant yeah. and needed. Like if we could all do that. I, I won't say it out loud what group it is, but there is a, <laughs> there is a Christian kind of posture that for me is the most difficult to learn from. Like it's easier for me to learn from non-Christian, like, you know, but there, there's, a, there's a particular kind that is really hard for me. And I think it's because it reminds me of some things in me that mm -hmm. I don't like. Yes. You know, so it's yeah. totally about, about me. But can I learn from them too? You know, that's what kind of happened reading Peter Rollins is that what rose up in me was not even necessarily everything I disagreed with that he wrote or what I, the balance of what I agreed with. I realized that I was afraid to ask some of the questions he was asking. Isn't that true? And what yep. was spinning in me was like, no, 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 no. We can't say it. We can't say that. We Listen, listen. Just, sure, sure, sure. We can't ask that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. I can still disagree with some of the stuff he writes, and I can agree with some of the stuff he writes. And we're allowed to ask questions. And, I, and so that, you're right, what actually stirs up in us when we read authors that we don't necessarily agree with is probably our own fears. Oh, my gosh, yes. And some of that is because uh, many of us were taught a really, um, like, brick wall version of faith. Have you heard this analogy? No, uh-uh. A friend of mine, this is not mine, a friend of mine told me this a while ago. And he said, a lot of our faiths got built like a brick wall, where if you take out one brick, especially near the bottom, the entire wall crumbles. Yes. So yeah. if there's one doctrine that you're asking questions about, you better not, because you're. if it's not true, you're going to lose your whole faith. Yes. And yes. he said a way more biblical view is more like a trampoline with all these springs. And all these springs are necessary, but you can take out a spring or two. You can replace a spring or two and the springboard still works. Which I, again, it, that analogy probably breaks down at a certain point, but I remember, especially at that time, the, the freedom it opened in me to keep exploring rather than keep protecting. Yes, oh, that's good. Keep, yeah, because the faith I was worried about crumbling wasn't the church, it was mine. Absolutely. You know, yes. I wasn't, when I, when I read outside of what feels safe to me, the fear is not that they're going to tell me something about God that is going to ruin everything. The fear is they're going to tell me something about me <laughs> that's going to so ruin good. everything. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. One of my, one of my friends was, was reading the uh, early church fathers which I wish I was, I could say I was that spiritual. I, I never read that, but he was telling me. I love that. hearing you say that, by the way, because that makes me feel better <laughs> that I don't read the old, much of the old oh, stuff either. I want to be that guy, but I'm just, I'm not. But he was saying that one of these just heavyweight church fathers was disagreeing with the, um, the spiritual, the list of spiritual virtues. And I was like, really? And apparently this, this church father said there are only three necessary spiritual virtues in the spiritual life. And I'm like, whoa. And he goes, humility, humility, and humility. Oh, that's good. And I just remember 
my friend and I, we were sitting there and he said that, and we just sat in silence for a minute. Humility, humility, humility. If we are truly humble enough to be open for reality, to readjust what we believe and which direction we're walking and where our hearts are attached. And if we are truly open, trusting that God will lead, we won't like just fall away. Right, you know? right. Um, God loves us and is with us and is in us and will lead us if we have the humility to be led. Yeah. I, you know, a thing that has someone has said to me recently is God has tied himself tighter to you than you have tied to him. Oh, that's beautiful. And so you yes. you can ask the questions and you can read the things and he has you you have asked him to, so he has tied you to him. Yeah. So is you that will your not, quote? No, I don't think so. I don't know who it came from. You can have it. You say it's you. Well, it, no, no. If, if if I tweet it, it's going to be from you. No, no. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> you, no, you, you just send it out it. into the universe as that is someone. Really beautiful. But yeah, I mean that, and and that has held me. Really, that's held me. Of going like, okay, I'm going to ask these questions because you say we're tied together, and it's not my rope. And so I'm just going to believe you're going to hold me here. Yeah. Because I'm asking questions that 20 year old Annie is terrified yeah. to ask. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Annie, what if God is truly better than we have ever dared to dream? Gosh, right. Like, what if this whole story that we think is, ah, it's an okay story, what if it is a better story than we have ever even dared to imagine? I don't know what we do with that. I don't even know what to do with that question, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to examine it tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sit with it. But start with Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, man, I'm going to be asking that. What if What if he is? What does that mean? Because he is. I mean, the science is he is. Yeah, I, I believe that cognitively. That's it. I believe that theologically, you know, but do I believe that? Yeah. Does my life look like I believe that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. my Do my journals look like I believe that? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we have taken up plenty of your time, but the last question we always ask on the show. Okay. I'm not going to lead you, but I have a real hope of what you talk about here. The last question that we always ask on the show is what sounds fun to you? What does Aaron Nequist do for fun? Well, I'll tell you what sounds fun to me. Taking an 11-year-old delightful boy named Henry onto a boat that I barely know how to drive. Yeah. And... um we get to the next town to the north and we tie up on a dock and we walk the town and we throw a football around in the little park and we talk about what Harry Potter wand would choose us yeah. for, for like <laughs> more time than human beings should talk about Harry yes. Potter. We listen to the Beatles. Uh, my, my, my son is a huge Beatles fan, which yeah. makes me think if I fail at everything else in life, you've done I that succeeded. well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But just to see the world through his eyes, to um, learn things from him, to teach him new things, to belly laugh. Oh, we had a couple moments where we just cried laughing over, I'm sure is very juvenile and Shauna would not approve, but we just, <laughs> oh man. It, um, we are having so many adventures and that is, it's so fun. Oh, I'm so glad. I, yeah, I, y'all post about your summer really beautifully. And it's <laughs> yeah. always like, man, 
Finicos do the best summers. They just oh, really man. summer so hard. I love it. And I would say that's Shauna's influence. Yeah. Shauna is a summer girl. And she has us, we're doing like, we're just, this is, um, we have two more days left of two weeks here in Michigan. And it's just been a delight. Oh, I love it. Okay. Will you talk for just a minute about how much you love the Cubs? Because we're big baseball fans here at this podcast. One of my dearest friends and one of our, and our favorite baseball player for that sounds fun is Dansby Swanson. He plays for the Braves. Okay. And so we love talking, we love talking sports, but oh yeah, baseball. Yeah. So you're like a Cubs guy deep in your soul. Yeah. I, I'll understate it. The Cubs are the greatest team <laughs> in the history of sports. I, not just baseball. I'm talking all sports. All sports of all time. Um, of all time. Yeah. This that's very understated. Cup. No, I, you know, I have lost myself to the Cubs. Um, Isn't I think it the it best feeling? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up as a Cub fan, so we, we used to watch the Cubs like crazy. But maybe in, you know, in 10 years ago, got a little out of the out of sync. And then it was probably 2014 that I was like, they're doing a rebuild. I'm going to jump back in and started watching again. And then obviously in 16, they win it all. Yeah, It's still easily the most stressful game of my entire life. Um, game seven of the World Series. Really? It, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. my stomach hurt. It's <laughs> like too much. It it's too much. Yeah. Painful. No kidding. At one point, um, after the Indians had tied it back up in this heartbreaking, I was laying on the floor in the living room, face down. Yeah. I just oh, I couldn't gosh. even move. I couldn't look up. I could, you know. So, no, but it's been really fun. We live about 45 minutes from Wrigley Field. So, yeah, um, y'all seem to get to go pretty to often. Yeah. yeah. One of our friends has season tickets that he can almost never use. Oh, brilliant. And so we do like a little draft at the beginning of the year. And Man, you know, some rich, friends. unavailable friends are the best kind of friends. <laughs> yeah. It's like they say it's not best to have a boat. It's best to have a friend who has a boat. Yeah, that's right. And that's how it is with season that's tickets. Right. You don't that's want right. season tickets, but you want a friend with season tickets. Talk so. about, just for one second for you, uh, being a four, but loving sports. and Because for sevens, it's such an escape. You know, for me, I can pour all my energy into watching Arsenal soccer or Georgia football or the Braves, and and nothing I can do affects how that thing goes. <laughs> but I have the most fun giving it my all because yeah, it's yeah, not important right. to my actual being. Yeah, but that's where you and I are different. I actually believe my cheering affects is affecting it. Oh, the game. <laughs> I I probably actually do, but have just been told enough. You can't fix this game by standing here and still cheering. People have broken my spirit about that. I probably oh, believed I it on my own. They're, but. they're mean. Yeah. Um, they don't. They just don't have enough faith. That's right. Um, That's right. I think for me, it's the exact same reason. It is a constructive um, escape from from kind of the deep journey that that as a four, I'm always going on. Um, we cannot stay in the seriousness, stay in the depth, even when it really matters indefinitely. Right. right. Man, people need to hear a four say that, Aaron, that even Absolutely. you says, give yeah. me a break. No, 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 You can't stay down in those in those waters right. or you'll drown. Right. And so what I've realized is there's either unhealthy escapes or there's healthy escapes. Right. And so I'm trying to choose as many of the healthy ones and as few of the unhealthy That's ones. That's right. And the Cubs have been a really fun, especially because you can bring it bring a kid along yeah. and you know. 
um, and just cheer about something that ultimately does not matter. Yeah, that's right. But sure is fun. It, it's so fun. It's great. It matters a little bit, but like yeah, yeah, compared yeah. to the global situation. Oh my gosh. Sports yeah. are just sports, but man, yep. aren't they fun. They're, They're really, just such a really gift fun. to me most of the time. I just am so into it. The Braves are actually, they're a lot farther ahead at this point than they were predicted. I know. Isn't it crazy? You think they're for real this year? I hope so. I have big hopes. I really, I mean, again, I'm going to downplay it like you did, but I think Dansby being on my podcast is the exact reason they're doing so well. <laughs> I think Dansby doing his own episode really set them up for a winning You know year. what? I, I think that that feels really true. Feels really true. Cool. Feels really, <laughs> feels like God to, to give him that just for doing one thing like this. But, oh, Aaron, thank you for your time when you're on vacation oh, and stuff. It's so good, so to, good to get to talk, talk to, to you. you. Are y'all down here in Nashville anytime soon? Oh, uh, unfortunately, no. Um, St- you know, Stu G? Yeah. Um, he and I have been talking about we want to create uh, a one-night event in Nashville this yeah, fall. Yeah, great. And Do so it. we've had only the preliminary, oh, what about this? What about this? Yeah. What about this? Yeah. So we have no dates. Okay. And no venue. <laughs> so we're just missing those. Okay. Two well, when you do, let me tell my friends so we can, and I will for sure be there if I can help, if I can, you know, I'll at least be there and, contr- and uh, participate. Yeah. So. And you're going to be in our neck of the woods in a couple weeks. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I hope that goes really well. We'd love Thank to see you. you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll text Shauna when I'm up there. I'd, yeah. Um, please let us know. Be in touch. Yeah. Listen, you're just really, I know, you're just such a gift to me. You just can't know. Oh, I mean, I know we ha- haven't had a ton of time in the same place but every time we are it just is every time we talk and you're on even just you're online your writing is such a gift to me so i'm really really thankful all right talk to you soon thanks blessings oh friends i'm telling you if you weren't already friends with aaron nequist don't you just love him now i i'm just so thankful for his voice and the way he leads and the questions he asks and those two truths over and over again it's just brilliant it's super brilliant you can actually win a copy of Eternal Current. Go to wmbooks.com slash eternal current. And his publisher is giving away a copy. So make sure you go there and grab your own copy of Eternal Current. It's on Amazon and your favorite bookstore. Your local bookstore can order it for you if they don't have it on the shelf. But again, it's Eternal Current. The Eternal Current by Aaron Nequist. And in our show notes and then on my blog when we post this, we'll include the link to that music that Aaron talked about in the podcast. I listened to it. He gave it to me last year in September when we were on that retreat, and I have listened to it repeatedly since then. I absolutely love it. And make sure you give Aaron a follow all across the internet. Grab his book. Tell him thanks for being a part of the show. I think he will really help you um, add some new shapes to and some new rhythms and some new practices to your faith. Hey, if you need anything from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in fancy, across every part of the internet. And Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you need to find me, I'll be there some of this month. Not all of this month. I'll be gone for most of it. But if I'm around, you can find me. If not, I'll see you in September. So if you have some friends that you think would love this show, I would love for you to share it with them. Just send them the link. Let them know it exists. And especially this conversation with Aaron, I feel like can be so helpful for so many of us in our faith walks. Um, Now I am going to go do something fun. My lunch is sitting across the way waiting for me with Maggie. And so... That sounds fun to me. I'm going to eat some lunch. I hope you go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Go Braves. Proud of my buddy, Dansby Swanson. And we will see you next week.